Hello, my name is Emma Griffiths of Fife Historic Buildings Trust. Welcome to the Inverkeithing Heritage Regeneration Podcast. Our subject today is witches. Most people will probably have a clear image of a woman, a pointy hat, a cat on a broomstick, possibly a hooked nose, a cape, untidy hair. The witch as a character is absolutely present in our present 21st century and is being constantly reinvented in ever-growing volumes of children's fiction. At Halloween, witches and pumpkins are the icons of the autumn festival and an ever-popular choice of dressing up outfits for children and adults indeed. I checked earlier and there's even a witch emoji on my phone. So there's no doubt about a 21st century witch presence, but today we're going to explore origins and of course, relevance to inbekeething of witches. I'm joined again today by Dr. Gavin McGregor of North Light Heritage and Dr. Tom Turpey of Stirling University. I'm hoping that you both can create some context and help us understand a little bit more about witches historically and inbekeething's heritage as it's connected to witches. Gavin, Tom, when I think witch, I think Halloween. I think Julia Donaldson's Room on the Broom, Roald Dahl's witches, and of course, the Shakespeare witches in Macbeth. Double, double, toil and trouble, fire burn and cauldron bubble. And I can hardly believe these words, believed to be written about 1610, have become virtually cliches and actually sound, they sound modern. In early modern Scotland, theatre notwithstanding, things were, I believe, a little bit more serious. Witches and witchcraft could be bundled together to represent a major challenge to the status quo and to orthodoxy, power and order. Gavin, if you could help us by setting the scene somewhat. Clearly the word witch has been with us since Shakespeare's day and presumably well before that. And our modern concept of spells and magic has pretty close parallels to Macbeth's trio. So... As far as we know, has the word or concept of a witch had a consistent meaning? And how long have people understood a witch to be mixed up with magic and spells, somewhat other, a marginalised and possibly frightening individual? Thanks, Emma. The idea of the witch has been in culture and media for centuries now. And there's a number of connotations which still powerfully resonate around historical facts of persecution and a range of different belief systems. Um, the term probably originates from uh, the Old English word wicca and originally denoted both male and female practitioners. But it needs to be related more broadly to earlier belief systems where many cultures use esoteric rituals to intercede between this world and those of the supernatural. Who could draw down power and influence outcomes in this world became a real concern through many, many cultures. But some of that material culture we've seen, we can see some sort of stereotypes that might surprise us. That pointed hat you talked about, there's some examples from Bronze Age Germany, about 3,000 years old, where we have gold peaked hats and the way we understand the stereotypical witch's hat now. Well worth having a look at. Very, very interesting um, how some of these motifs and uh, emblems appear to have survived. What kind of evidence, Gavin, can we find in Scotland that relates to witchcraft? 
There's a range of evidence from Scotland. Uh, some may relate to magical practices. Um, we have a number of locations whose places name refer to witches uh, and associated activities such as witches now in Inverkeithing. Of course, there's also the various documents, really important, around witch hunting and witch trials to be found in the archives. But there are other physical remains related to magical practices or places of trial and punishment which have been found. One example is the story of Isabel Gowdy, who in 1662, in her confession, said elf arrows made by the devil were used. The term elf arrow was used to describe prehistoric flint arrowheads which were found across fields in Scotland and were used as charms in various forms of folk magic at the time. Goodness, goodness. Um, amazing. Um, Tom, if I can turn to you now, we think of witches as female and are we, are we accurate in thinking in this way? Oh, thanks, Emma. Oh, mostly, but not always. So of the roughly 3,000 named people who were accused of witchcraft in, in Scotland, 15% were men, which was a little bit below the sort of European average for the period, which was around 25%. Now, in Inverkeithin, we know of 43 people accused of witchcraft, and amongst them, there was only one man so quite a bit lower than that sort of national and European average. Right. So um, so it wasn't uh, exclusively female and there is quite a rich tapestry of evidence between court records and so forth for the subject. Um, Tom, if I can ask you, how much of this evidence is actually from the victims of those actually accused of, of witchcraft? Yeah, this is very important to note that almost all of our evidence comes from the persecutors of witches, not the victims themselves. So what we do have from the, the so-called witches themselves, like Gavin mentioned a moment ago, that we have these confessions by people like Isabel Gowdy um, or trial statements, answers to questions. But we must remember that these types of trials were subject to very leading questions. They, they would certainly not be admissible in court in the modern day and very often as well the information within these trials was extracted under torture either physical or mental so we must be really wary of taking them fully at face value oh i thought plague was a dark subject but i think this is going to be very dark as well um gavin are there artifacts which have been found in scotland relating to witchcraft well, there are examples of protective magic uh, where objects are hidden in houses or walls at times, um, such as witch bottles. Um, some have been found, uh, often glass bottles, which have uh, thought to have had urine or pins and various objects in them as a way to protect individuals from the power and influence of witches. But also bellamine jugs, uh, uh, stoneware jugs that were imported from the Rhine in Germany uh, with uh, faces of bearded faces of men on them may have been used as witch bottles too at times. So it's also interesting to think how uh, maybe connections and ideas associated with witchcraft may have come from elsewhere in Europe at times. Uh, and as we've seen in the other uh, podcasts that, that in the Keithney is really well connected to Europe in different ways. In terms of artifacts, we also have other examples of people scratching symbols in places to offer some protection called witch marks. 
One suggested example was found during excavations of an 18th century uh, Wilkhouse Wynn in Embrora, where symbols on the chimney breasts had been scratched and perhaps designed to prevent witches coming down the chimney, it's been suggested. But other examples may relate to witches, uh, which are really disturbing instruments of confinement and torture perhaps used in townhouses and jails across Scotland. Um, so one example is the Jougs, a spiked collar, which is uh, found from Ladybank in Fife. Mm, yes, dark, dark and uh, unfortunate, as I, as I thought it might have been. Tom, um, I know both archaeologists and historians are scrupulous about evidence, so with your historian's perspective, could you help us interpret the evidence we have of witch trials in Inverkeething and let us see through your medieval historian's lens what sort of background there may have been to create these clusters of witch trial events? Mm, that's a good question, Emma. Well, uh, I mean, first of all, we tend to associate witches with the Middle Ages and actually uh, witch hunting is very much an early modern phenomenon so uh, from the 16th to the 18th centuries and by European standards lowland Scotland was a real witch hunting hotspot um, but explaining exactly why this has been the case has been quite difficult for historians it's clearly not one sole factor involved um, so we've got these wider factors in the such as the the general misogynistic attitude to women uh, which was very much reinforced by the church authorities um, but that was very much a long-term factor. More specific to Scotland was the role of, of James VI. Now, he wrote a book on the subject, um, and he certainly encouraged witch hunting during his reign, um, and encouraged members of the elite classes to support witch hunting, giving it a sort of institutional approval. And James, um, going back to what Gavin said a moment ago, was heavily influenced by his connections with Scandinavia with his, his Danish bride. And it seems to have been in Denmark that he got his ideas about witch hunting and witchcraft. Now, aside from that, religion was a major factor here. Um, the period of witch hunting was shortly after the Protestant Reformation and the Protestant church in Scotland was vulnerable or it certainly felt vulnerable in that period. You have competition in Scotland between the Presbyterians and the Episcopalians who had different visions of how Protestantism should work. And in general, there was a sort of rush to persecute and clamp down on practices that could be considered in some way Catholic in origin. So things like pilgrimage, folklorish practices like bonfires, and also things that could be considered maybe moral issues and witch hunting and witchcraft tends to come under that sort of moral banner but even beyond those quite specific factors you've got wider problems in this period so there's lots of outbreaks of famine several outbreaks of plague in the 16th and 17th centuries general problems with the climate in that period all of which caused quite considerable sort of social and economic distress and may also have led to an increase in reliance on those folklorish supernatural practices that were persecuted as witchcraft. Mm. So were all those factors um, at play in Inverkeething, Tom? Well, witch hunting in Inverkeething quite interestingly took place in a really short window of time between 1621 and 1655. 
and that coincided with two major outbreaks of plague, difficult climatic conditions, uh, the rise of the Covenanters and the British Civil War. And these were political events that divided communities, divided them into camps, disrupted trade and put lots of financial pressure on places like Inverkeithing. And I think what we're seeing in Inverkeithing is, is the long term influence of a set of ideas about women, about the dangers of witchcraft, which were given sort of official sanction by people like James VI, combining with this really challenging political and ecological environment. And the final catalyst that seems to have led to at least one of the hunts in 1649 was the role of important local individuals. In this case, Walter Bruce, who was the minister of Inverkeithing, and it was his personal obsession with witch hunting that seems to have driven the persecution in that year. I, I thank you. That's uh, that's very informative. I can hardly bear that it's actually called witch hunting. It it seems to put human beings on a level with um, animals that are hunted for pleasure or food. It's awful. Okay, Gavin, um, taking that context of the way that witches were persecuted, could you tell us if there are any traces in present day um, Fife of association with witches? Yes, Emma, we've mentioned witches now in Inverkeithing, but many Fife borough towns will have places associated with witches. For example, Witchlone in Dunfermline, where there was a mound where witches were uh, executed on. So these are really kind of dark and uh, disturbing you know, places. Um, the fear and uh, danger associated with witches also takes us one of the most poignant sites, I think, found at Torryburn in Fife. Here, uh, Lilius Addis, who died from maltreatment in 1704, was buried out 100 metres in the intertidal zone in a large stone coffin with a massive heavy lid to probably attempt to seal her remains there. But to add insult to injury, so to speak, her skull was robbed and then sold by collectors in 1852. So not only have these women been poorly treated uh, you know, at that time, but subsequently they were disrespected. Oh, unbearable. It is unbearable. However, um, it is fascinating and history informs us and uh, it's a fascinating subject to delve into. Um, and, and we know all about fascinating. Gavin, we've made reference before to the community research project that's ongoing at this time. Could you describe that just a little bit and tell us if any of the participants are looking into witches and invocating or is there anything they're hoping to identify or clarify? Yes, Emma, we've got one volunteer who's currently researching the witches of Inverkeithing and looking to refine further details about our understanding of what happened around Witch Now, this very important site that's in the kind of uh, you know, consciousness of the community. But also we're interested, as Tom's alluded to, and understand the relationships and motives between the accused and the accuser and the dynamics which led to witch hysteria at this time. Thank you. Um, yes, watch this space. It's a fascinating time. Um, we're almost out of time. So, Tom, I know you've been supporting the volunteers with pointers to resources that are available remotely for their detailed interests. But for the listeners to the podcast, can you recommend a good place to start looking into this subject of witches in Scotland? 
Yes, well, there's there's lots of good books on this subject. Um, Stuart MacDonald's book on the Witches of Fife is, is particularly good. Uh, but be, be wary of the internet generally. It's full of quite poor quality information on this subject, apart from one or two places. And the best place to go is the Survey of Scottish Witchcraft, which was a project put together by the University of Edinburgh's History Department. Oh, best part of 20 years ago now. Um, and it has a database full of um, uh, witch hunting cases in Scotland, lots of useful background and links to really reliable sources for exploring this subject. Excellent. I have looked at that uh, resource myself and it is absolutely fascinating um, and utterly 100% utterly evidence based. Thank you both very much for sharing your subject knowledge and um, sharing a little more of an, another aspect of Inverkeaving's fascinating heritage with us today. Great, thank you. Thanks, Emma. Thanks for listening to the Inverkeaving Heritage Regeneration podcast. If you'd like to find out more about the project in Inverkeaving or some of the other things we do at Fife Historic Buildings Trust, check out our website at www fivehistoricbuildings.org.uk You can use the website to get in touch. If you have any suggestions for subjects you'd like us to cover, if you have questions for our guests, or have views on these podcasts, we'd love to hear from you. Fife Historic Buildings Trust delivers the Inverkeaving Heritage Regeneration Project in partnership with Fife Council. Thanks for listening today, and thanks too to the project funders Historic Environment Scotland and the National Lottery Heritage Fund.